Hey, what's up, my people? Welcome to Kickback with Nadam. Yes, he is I and I am him. And today I'm joined yet again by the co-host, the man himself, the man, actually the man, the myth, the legend that is Yudi. What's up, my guy? I'm good. I think I'm one of those things. You, which one are you? Just the man? Arguably, yeah. Just, just, just the man. <laughs> oh, sorry. You are a man. You are a man, not the man. You are a man. I'll take that. Although, to be, fair, yeah, to be fair, to be fair, I, I like your new haircut. It's taken at least two months off your age. Thank you. You're looking all right. Thank you, know. you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm looking closer uh, to 71 now, which is good. Which is good. <laughs> and and have you done your eyebrows as well? Listen, don't be ridiculous. Don't be, don't be, don't be putting rumors like that out there. Okay. Uh, I think you did, you know, I think you did. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. But each to their own. I don't, I don't mind it. Listen, you know what I mean? Not, it, it is what it I'm is. I'm not going to dignify that with a response. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Well, before we go any further anyway, everybody that doesn't know already, the handle is kickback underscore Nadem on Instagram and on Twitter. And we do like to interact with you all. So make sure you go and follow us on there. And also, why not go have a look in the show notes to see what type of fun and hijinks you can have in that special, special place. But anyway, Yudi, it's time to get to the point which we've been waiting for for the longest time right now. I'm going to give you a guess the guess, which is going to be too hard for you to be able to figure it out. How do you feel about that? I think that's it's been a long time coming, to be fair. All right. All right, cool. Well, to be fair, if you, nah, to be fair, you, I think you've, I'm going to say it's 50 50. It's 50 50 on this one because it's, it's a bit spicy in parts. But you know, you've had the haircut, you've had success in recent weeks. So you must be feeling yourself. And also, shout out to everybody last week who went and looked in the, um, who went and looked on social media and went to the GoFundMe page and participated in that. We appreciate you. You, you know, you guys are the best. We love the listeners. But anyway, back to you, UD. Are you ready for this? I am. And thank you. Thank you, listeners. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. All right. People must respect you. But anyway, here we go. Clue number one. He's remembered fondly for both Queen's Park Rangers and Chelsea. Okay. Clue number two. He has played his football in three countries so far. Right. Clue number three. Both himself and I have played with the legend that is Nicholas Anelka. And that's all I'm giving you. So, played with Nicholas and Nelka, Cupia and Chelsea. Ooh, I'm assuming that he played with Nicholas and Nelka at Chelsea. Well, is that the only place he played? <laughs> what, Nicholas and Nelka? Yeah, is, is, was that? Oh, I don't remember him being a one-club man, Udi. <laughs> I'm, look, I'm just... <laughs> oh, he's on the back foot now. He's on the back foot. This is what I love. This is what I love. I love to see this. Uh... I think, okay, give me, I get a question, right? Yeah, yeah, you get one, yeah. This is sticky. <laughs> Make sure you choose wisely. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, this is a sticky question. Right. Come on, you're okay, on the clock okay, from okay, now. Okay, people okay, don't want to hear okay. you. People don't want to listen to you think. Right. Come on. That's true. I'm sorry, people. Give me, my question is, and this is going to be a ridiculous question, but. Are they French? No. Oh, no, I'm struggling. <laughs> yes, yes. Come on. Come on. My people struggling. are so happy right now. My, the people on my side who hate on you, they're so happy right now. <laughs> so I was going to go lower Remy, but... Oh, 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 I'm glad you didn't because that would have been wrong. Uh, so, have you, so what are you going to go with then? Come on, quickly. Um... All right, it's, it's, oh, all right. Uh, can I get one more question? Yeah, go on then. Just all one, right. but make it Position, quick position. Just give me a position. Uh, center back. Uh, Michael Mancian. Is exactly right. <laughs> how, have you, how have you figured that one out? <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, oh, he's come from you nowhere. Know, I'll be honest though. I'll be honest. We're going to have to go to VAR to see if that second question was allowed. <laughs> Because <laughs> technically speaking, going off one alone isn't isn't ideal. But what what gave it away in the end? I don't I don't know that many players who played for QPR and Chelsea, to be honest. So, so that's what that's it was. That's literally all it was. Yeah, that's a great effort from you. you that thank you, that's thank a great you. effort. That's a great effort. I was saying to Ryan, I don't know. I think it's touch and go whether he'll get it. It's touch and go. Hold on, just give me one sec. I need to just quickly shut the bag that I pulled that out from. So. <laughs> <laughs> This is the this is the problem though. Like I knew you'd be like trying to 
you're still thinking about who who does Nadem know? Who does Nadem know? Who does Nadem know? I know that's your whole energy. I know that's your whole energy and you can try and pretend otherwise, but I know that's your whole I'll energy. Be honest, I'll be honest. I but, didn't factor that into this. That guess was just like, I'm just thinking of a defense. You said centre-back. Because if you'd have said defender, I'll be honest, I was going to go Wayne Bridge. Because I uh, think he might have played for both. I'm not sure, but I think he played nah, for both. No, he didn't know. Did he not? No, nah, he, he didn't know. No, no. He was, so, no I was he actually going to go Wayne Bridge. If you'd have just said defender, I probably would have gone Wayne Bridge. But then you say you would have gone Wayne Bridge, but you disregard clues because how's he played in three countries? I don't know the man's life. Like <laughs> this, this is what this is what I mean. Like you just pick and choose whichever clue you want to listen to. Listen, I zero in. I've done that before, where I've listened to all your clues uh-huh. and just got myself all in a twiddle. I zero in on one clue <laughs> and go for that. Like that's my best strategy now. I like all, all right. I know. I only know he's played in two countries anyway. He's played in Germany, Lancien, right, and he's played in England. I don't know the third country. He's played. He played in the MLS for two and a half uh, years. See, I didn't know that. Oh man, that's you know what. Yeah. All right. Look, Good. You tried to get me. All right. I um, I see you. And VAR. Checking possible possible rules rules bridge. Checking possible. That's a, that's a ludicrous rule. No, it's it's not. It's not. It's not at all. It's a lo- one off one question with some of the clues you're dishing out at the moment. One question is is no no. But you just you just you you knew it. Just based around, I said, I said centre back, and it was like, bang, that was it. If you ask that question first, then you get the answer. Uh, I'm not sure I get the answer. I just know it's not low at Remy. Used to a credit. Fair play to you. Fair play Thank to you. you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna start recording now. But fair play yeah. to you. You did well again this week. But people will be thinking it's rigged because you came from nowhere. You've gone from low. You've asked if they're French. You've asked if they're French. So all of a sudden, naming an Englishman, like, where's that come from? <laughs> That's outrageous. All right. Well, well, credit to you and uh, credit to everybody else who got it right on the socials. So anyway, without further ado, please sit back and relax whilst we head over to the Midlands to listen to the man himself, Michael Mancian. So here we are, Michael Mancian, Mr. West London himself. How are you doing, my guy? I'm good, bro. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Yeah, very good, man. Where are you at the minute? Uh, I'm in Nottingham. Okay. I'm in Nottingham at the moment. Um, currently with my missus family. Uh, I'm obviously at Burton, Burton yeah. Albion. So yeah, makes life easier for me. Yeah. Okay. I see that. I see that. So let's um, let's talk about your journey to this point. Yeah. If you're if you're happy to share your story with the listeners, I'd like to hear stuff which, you know, maybe you don't normally talk about when people ask questions. You know, like the real you, as opposed to the the you when it's like. Yeah, so we've got a game on the weekend, and you know, we, we're going to try really hard for three points. You you know those ones, yeah? Yeah, I know them ones. All right, cool. Well, this isn't the show for that, so let's get rolling, yeah? So right, cool. how, how old are you now? 33, man. Okay, so you're 33, and you joined Chelsea's academy, what was it, the age of nine? Uh, I was eight. It was a school of excellence back then. Right. I changed into an academy, but yeah, I was there from, yeah, eight years old. Okay, and... Yeah. And um, you were a West London boy, like I said earlier. That's correct, yeah? Yeah. Okay, so be honest with me now, yeah? Even though you're a Chelsea guy, came through the academy and all that, are you telling me you're a QPR fan? Nah, I wasn't <laughs> a QPR fan. Nah, I was a, I was a Chelsea fan. Really? Yeah, so you were, a Chelsea fan. So you were glory hunting glory. from earlier? No, I was hardly glory hunting back in them <laughs> days. They, they, was, they had an unbelievable team, but they weren't like what they are now today. Yeah. But... Um, to be honest, my dad, my dad actually supported Liverpool. So I actually supported Liverpool from like a, a young, young boy. Right. Obviously, obviously joining Chelsea um, and going to watch the games and ball boy the games. So I obviously became a, a Chelsea fan. Right. But my dad, obviously my, my parents are from the Seychelles. So I don't know why I supported Liverpool. But <laughs> he was, I think my dad was a glory hunter, to be honest. <laughs> so my dad supported Liverpool. So he tried to force it on me dragged me to the games like to, to Anfield in, in the boot with all his mates and sitting in the car I was sat in the boot for about five hours wow and going to, like going to Anfield but um no I enjoyed it but um to be honest yeah definitely a Chelsea fan watching like people like Zola Desai and those kind of players Tor Andre Flo reality mm. was a uh, was amazing yeah that's top so as time passes then so you join at nine and then as you're getting older you're getting older you start to see that say Chelsea become a team whereby they have say greater riches like when Abramovich takes over and stuff you know this is you know those moments 
they're key for a football club. But one perspective which maybe doesn't get seen is that of people who are maybe coming through an academy at that sort of time because the, the focus on terms in terms of where they seek the talent might change a little bit. So for you at Chelsea at that time, what was it like essentially being a player who maybe is coming closer towards being in full time, but now you're seeing that there's more money available to bring talent in from elsewhere? Was it something which got you down or was it something that excited you? Um, to be honest, at the time, it was a little bit demoralising, not even going to lie. Because mm-hmm. you know that big money's coming in. They need to, like, bring in people like the manager, like Mourinho, who obviously is coming in to win trophies. They're not going to depend on someone who's young, who's inexperienced. They, You know that they're going to be bringing people in that have been been around, been there and done it. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie, it's, it was hard, especially as a youngster. Because before you saw a little glimmer of hope, a little tunnel of light that, you know, before Bramovich came in, like, might have a chance like one day playing, like playing here. But then that comes in, then all the, they go and buy like a top quality player, players that are captains of their country. Mm-hmm. You think, what, ch- like, what chance, what chance do you have really mm-hmm. of, of breaking into that team and, you know, pushing someone out of the team like, like John Terry. Yeah. It's impossible. Who's captain, captain of his country, captain of Chelsea is unbelievable. Is that there, there's, there's no hope. There's, there's no chance. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a bit demoralized. I'm not going to lie to you, Ned. Yeah, that's interesting as well, because looking back at, you say, your academy times, you were playing for all the sort of like England youth setups. So you were successful as far as academy stuff goes. So you were a pro- you were at Chelsea, you were playing for England 16s, 17s, 18s, all that, all that good stuff. But as I say, it's interesting then, because like, I think the conversation about timing within football, it's not one which gets spoken about enough. Because say if you were coming in five years earlier, maybe you get into the team sooner. Maybe you play more games for the first team, but because you came five years later, like the expectation, like I saw it myself with City, there was a point where we had so many academy players coming through, but we weren't the finished article. And But we could be part of a process to get better and to be successful for the club. But say if you're coming through at City's academy now, like I, the way I reference it is I couldn't tell you significant strikers that have come in City's academy in the last 10 years. And the reason for that is Sergio Aguero. Because if you're not scoring like he's scoring, exactly, you're not you're not gonna get a game. You know what I mean? It doesn't mean you're a bad player, but you're not Sergio Aguero, you know. And that's yeah, exactly, it's exactly that. Obviously, yeah, like you said, they're they're like the finished article. Mm-hmm. Aguero is the finished article. He's a he's a ridiculous striker. He's so good. Mm-hmm. How are you gonna push someone like that out of a team? Yeah, it's 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 wild. Yeah, it's wild. But anyway, you did get you get did get in and around the first team. And what age was that when you first joined up? Um, when I got my chance. Yeah, yeah. When you when you first like started training almost like full time with the first team. Oh, uh, I was around I was around sixteen, seventeen when I was in and around it. Okay. So it was roughly well, it was around the time when Jose Mourinho first came in. Right. Got a funny story for you as well, actually. Go on then. So uh, yeah, so obviously this is when Jose Mourinho first came in. He brought me in and around the first team. He liked me. I could tell that he liked me. But um, obviously I had I had like long braids back then as well. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, one day he's come in, he's come into, um, I was having lunch and he's come in and gone, Mansian, you want to come, uh, you want to come pre-season with a uh, first team? I was like, yeah, of course. I was like, yeah, of course. Of course I do. He was like, uh, okay, cut your hair. I was thinking, and then he just walked off. <laughs> and obviously I've been growing my hair for, for years and I'm thinking, is he, is, he joke? is he joking? So I'm talking to all the, like, the boys around me, all my mates and stuff. I'm like, he's joking, isn't he? He's got to be joking. Like, I don't know. So I'm talking to like some some of the, like the coaches and staff, and like they're like laughing their heads off as I'm telling them. <laughs> but I don't know if he's being serious or, or or not. So I went home that night, and bro, when I tell you, I got no, I got zero sleep. I got zero sleep. <laughs> so I'm thinking, I got cut my hair. I'm asking my parents. My parents are like, Nah, he's just testing your character. Well, I don't, I don't know if he is to be honest, because that's the time he shaved his head. Yeah. So he wanted everyone else to shave their heads yeah and i've come in the next day and i'm working one-on-one with uh one of the sports scientists like in the gym and uh you know when you know someone's walked into the room mm. i i felt his presence behind me <laughs> i knew i knew he was behind me and obviously i'm pretending that i don't know that he's there and i'm not turning around because I'm, my heart's pumping up my chest i'm thinking oh, please please leave me alone and he's gone you still haven't cut your hair okay and then just walked out i'm thinking God, what's going to happen? Wow. So I go to, we go to training 
I'm training, I'm stretching. Uh, <laughs> I'm stretching uh, with, all, with all the team. And we had this big goalie coach. He was a gorilla, mate. He was so big and strong. He's walked up behind me and literally put me in like a full Nelson, like grabbed, grabbed both my arms and lifted me up. And Jose Marino's walking towards me and he's pulled out clippers from his pocket. Wow. He's going to shave my head, but then obviously didn't. And then shaved like a little bit of his second coach's hair, who obviously got angry about it and then ran off laughing. But yeah, when I tell you, bro, I didn't sleep for that whole week. And he was on me in training, bro. I could not make one mistake in training because I didn't want to cut my hair. Like, bro, people will make a little mistake here and there. Mm-hmm. And he wouldn't say anything to them. As soon as I made a mistake, am I allowed to swear? Yeah, of course you are, yeah. Yeah, as soon as I made a mistake, fucking hell, man, what the fuck? <laughs> like, screaming, <laughs> shit, he's, he's on me. But honestly, it made me a better player because I was so focused and concentrated on not making mistakes and mm-hmm. just doing things right. It actually made me so much better. Yeah. But yeah, bro, he was, he was on me, but um, he still took me to, he still took me away with the, the first team, so um, yeah, I was buzzing. You know, I didn't cut my hair, given <laughs> to the press. You know, that's a that's a good Jose Mourinho story, and we're not really hearing many of those at this moment in time. He's not; he's definitely not flavor of the month. So I, I like that because there was a point where his stock was massive. You know, people loved him. So and yeah. mate, and we uh, we had uh, Man United away, and I was in the squad, but I was uh, I was in the stands, and uh, he was at the game watching the game. This is when he wasn't the manager um, anymore. And uh, I felt someone slap me so hard on the back of the neck. <laughs> and I've turned around and it's him. He said, you remember when I tried to make you cut your hair? I was like, yeah, I did. And he just laughed and just walked off. <laughs> I was like, the back of my neck. He's still, he's still living in your head, by the way. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway then, so you didn't around the first team, but some of the players you mentioned who were ahead of you, like as well as being very good players, they're pretty much available for the duration of the season. You know, they don't really miss games. They don't really get suspensions and so on. So you ended up going on loan. And what I want to know about that was, was that your choice or was that their choice for you to go out on loan at that age? Um, it was my choice, to be honest. Okay. I wanted, um, I remember speaking to the academy director, uh, Neil Bath, about it and just wanting to get experience. And he was like, yeah, obviously that's a great idea. Um, you know, go get some first team experience. And I, Obviously, I wanted to make a name for myself. I didn't want to sit, like sit and you know be the forgotten, a forgotten player. Like just sit there and rot and sit in a bubble because it's so easy, especially at big clubs, for young players yeah. to sit there and enjoy all their, all the comforts that you have. You know, you come there, you get the chefs cooking. Like might as well be cooking Michelin star food, bro. Yeah, it's unbelievable. You got you know jacuzzi, hot tubs. You got saunas an unbelievable gym just unbelievable facilities to use and it's it's so easy to get stuck in that bubble and for me i thought well i can either be stuck in this bubble and enjoy these comforts or get out of my comfort zone and you know get some first team experience and get my name out there mm-hmm. which I, w- I really wanted to do and the opportunity came at uh, qpr yeah um, so yeah i was obviously buzzing to go there yeah which was club for me and it was literally down like down the road <laughs> that's what i was gonna say you talk about like leaving the home comforts bubble but you didn't even have to move house you just move in you the state your drive to the stadiums maybe five minutes longer what's well, that like in theory it's five minutes longer but with the traffic around there around west london is it's definitely more than five minutes would you agree with that it's a nightmare you know it's a nightmare yourself yes yeah, it's, it's, it's mythical over there but um live what's that sorry where did you live uh, so I lived in, I initially lived in Richmond, but then I moved out to a place called Claygate in Surrey. And that drive there could either take 40 minutes to the stadium or about an hour and a half. There was a time where, um, I think it was early doors when I first arrived and I was traveling to the stadium and the traffic got so bad that I had to leave the car with my wife and I ran the last mile and a half to the stadium to make sure I got there on time before a game, <laughs> before a game, figure that one out. But anyway, 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 anyway. So what is it then? Because for QPR, I think you ended up going there twice on loan and the fans from what I'm reading took a real shine to you, which is strange considering firstly, you were coming from Chelsea and secondly, you were, you were a young player. So what was it about you and your game? Do you think that sort of led to them thinking of you so fondly? Uh, I have no clue. Mate, I, I, I don't know. just gave everything in every single game that I had uh, to give to the club. Um, I enjoyed my experience there massively. I gave everything for the club. I think they, they realised how hard you know, I was trying uh, for the team um, at the time, and I don't know. I was, I was playing really well as well when I was there. I played, I played right back quite a lot there mm. actually. Mm. 
and uh, no, it was an enjoyable time. It was it was crazy at the time when I was there. It felt like I was living in a soap opera, mate. There was always, <laughs> there was always something going on. There was always something going on at that at that club. Like when Britori came in, and just yeah, it's just the madness. Like he he came to us like and had a meeting with us, like all the players talking to us like we're Formula One drivers. Like why can't why can't you guys win? And in Formula One, we build a nice car, we build the engine like this, we do this, and we and you win. And like it's not it's, it's not as easy as that. It's, it's, football's nothing like that. Yeah, and he didn't. Get, and he honestly, he didn't get it at all. But um, no, it was it was yeah, it was mate, it was a mad soap opera. Mate. Like obviously, God rest his soul. Um, when when I was when I was there, uh, I don't know if you remember him. Do you remember a guy called Ray Jones? Yeah, yeah. Forward, mate. He was so good, bro. He was so good, up and coming. Like he was just a big, friendly giant. And like, obviously, one day we were playing away, and um, like the sports scientists knocked on our door and said, "No, we're not playing today." I'm like, why? What's happened? Like, uh, Ray's passed away, and he died in he died in a car crash. And it was just, yeah, it's just mad, mate. Like, honestly, when I was there, there was there's so much stuff that just that happened, and it was honestly like living in a soap opera. But um. Great times, though. I really enjoyed my time there. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I think that's the thing about, say, QPR. Like, they do like their flair players, but they do like people who do give it their all. You know, people who yeah. want to be out there and they kind of represent who the fans are as people. You know, these are these are working class, like honest, honest people who you know they'll they'll like nice football and so on. But you know, sometimes they cheer a tackle as much as they'll cheer a goal. So if you can make some of those tackles, you know what I mean, then you'll be in a good spot. It didn't, to be honest. I think the one time that made him actually really like me. Hey, yeah. Uh... <laughs> hey, hi. All right, baby, go downstairs. Go to mummy. <clears throat> I think there was one tackle that I made, mate, where I had no right getting back. There was a guy who was through on goal. And I literally sprinted so far back and I made like a last-ditch tackle. And mm. I think from then on, I think that's when they kind of like, yeah, that like really me yeah for that sure. was when things kind of turned for me but um yeah like you said you, you're representing working class people people that work hard that want to come in and you know watch their their favorite team play and they want to see people giving it their all mm -hmm, mm -hmm, for sure so let's talk for a second about chelsea's loan system because one thing which always gets me is the amount of times i'll be watching just a european game whether it's in holland germany wherever and a player's doing something then all of a sudden someone says oh yeah he's on loan from chelsea but i've never heard of them before so yeah like, how many players would you say are on loan from Chelsea or are owned by Chelsea right now who aren't even at the club? Mate, there's so many. There's so many. And, you know, like they're on, like, ridiculous money for, like, young boys as well. Mm. Some of the young boys that haven't even come through. They haven't even gone on loan or on stupid money. Mm -hmm. And, mate, it's a business. It's a business, really. Yeah. So they're probably getting, like, loads of real good, real talent. Knowing that they're probably never going to really break into the first team, mm -hmm. but using that as a business to obviously sell on to to other other clubs. Yeah. Um, so that's, I think they're they're clever with it. They're really smart in how what they're doing and how they're doing it, because obviously they're they're attracting a lot of they're giving these young boys like a good a really good salary. Yeah. And I'm looking at them thinking, oh yeah, this guy must be must be good. He's at Chelsea. He's on this kind of money. Mm -hmm. Let's let's buy him. So. To be honest, they're, they're really smart. I think it's obviously a really good business, but half of them, realistically, well, not even half of them, three quarters of them, most of them are, aren't really, they're never going to play for Chelsea, are they, really? Mm -hmm. Let's be real. But, um, yeah, like I said, it's just it's just a business, bro, isn't it? Do you, do you think they know they're not going to play for Chelsea like when some of them join? Or do you think they're still hopeful? No, I think, there's, I think obviously, every, bro, you know how it is, man. Every boy is hopeful, thinking yeah. one day, yeah, I'm going to play for this club. Yeah. And the realization comes in when, when people like Abramovich come in and spend a lot of money, a shit ton of money, and bringing in world class players, and you think, well, well, am I going to get this? How am I going to get past this guy? After these loans that you did, then because I think you went to QPR twice, and I think you went to Wolves three times. I think that was mostly in the Premier League. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what was the feeling? Not when you were, you know, you were leaving those places on loan, but when you were coming back to Chelsea because you did want to play football. But did you find your stock had ever risen after going having a successful loan, or was it always just the status quo and you were just biding your time before you went away again? 
That's a good question, actually, bro. Um, to be honest, with the QPR loan spells, it felt like I was just coming back to and just sliding back into where I was before mm-hmm. I'd gone out on loan. But to be honest, after the Wolves loans, um, it was different. I think that definitely raised my stock. So I, I went there and I actually played really, really well and done really well, helped them get promoted one season and then obviously played in the Prem with them. Um, and that definitely that definitely raised stock because I, I I made my debut not too long after after that as well. So um, yeah, it's 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 hard, man. Because sometimes yeah, like like you said, you players go out on loan. Doesn't doesn't matter how well they done, they've done. They, you come back to a massive club mm-hmm. and you're still just you're just there, bro. You're just mm-hmm. there. You you can just easily rot and live in that bubble. But um. Yeah, like I said, after the wolves, the wolves spell, I feel I feel like that definitely that definitely raised my stock. So I, I did do really well there. You know that that is a tough realization. Like when as I got older and I could see the game for what it is, you start to see some things which you hoped it, the game wouldn't be. Because the whole loan situation, you could be in theory like, say we look at Jesse Lingard this year and the way he's been for that last like three four months at West Ham has been incredible. In the second half yeah. of the season, without a doubt, one of the best players at United. So now the pressure's on United to keep him. But initially when he goes, they were like, you, you're thinking to yourself, well, he's going to go on loan this year and then just move somewhere else the next year. But for yeah. there's so many players who, as I say, they go, some people go out on loan to get, to get experience so they can be brought back and be better. And there are others who are going out on loan being told that's the case. But they're, out, you know, they're, like, they're just out of the picture. And for those big clubs, like if you're not playing this last season, and you're on loan, you're not going to be playing this next season. Like, what's changed? The club's going to say, well, we're not going to sign any players this year. We're going to play you because you went on loan last year and you did well. Like, it's, you know. That, I wonder how many times that's actually happened. Yeah. Where it's gone, yeah, you've done really well on loan. You're in the first team. We've got, you're in our plans. We want you to stay. We want you to play. You're a big part of, I wonder how many times that's actually happened. The highest, for those big teams, it must be so rare. I think for others, there is a sense of it could happen if you're younger and so on. But as I say, for those big ones, no, because success needed to have arrived yesterday. They can't wait till tomorrow. You know what I mean? Like if you're not, if, if a team struggles, every team that struggled this year in the Premier League, all the pressure's on them in the summer to recruit. It's not to bring someone through the academy. It's not to bring someone back. It's that they have to do better next year so that you have to find an end product. And it's, it, it's crazy. But anyway, so you were in around the first team from like 16, 17, and you didn't leave until how old? Um, what, leave the club? Leave the club permanently, yeah. Uh, 23. Okay. So that is, firstly, that's a long time to still be on the books of a club who you weren't really playing for. But we can talk about that another time in part two of this at some point in the future. But you did choose to finally leave and you chose to do it by going to play in the Bundesliga for Hamburg. Like I know that, is it Frank Arneson, director of football there? Like I know yeah. he must have played some sort of role in it, but going, to Ger- but going to Germany is like the done thing now, but it wasn't the done thing back then. So did you yeah. not feel any sort of like nervousness or whatever in, take, in terms of going somewhere like that when ultimately, you know, you hadn't even fully established yourself in England yet? Um, no, not, to, not really, to be honest, bro. Um, Playing abroad was something that I always kind of wanted to do anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, seeing like so many young foreigners come to Chelsea and like train with us and you're thinking, bloody hell, what an experience like they're having. They're like away from home. Obviously, it's not easy, obviously it's not easy going anywhere. But um, to have that life experience and, you know, playing abroad, like that's, I, I looked at that as something that was amazing. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, if... I always said to myself, and if an opportunity ever came to play abroad, I would grab it with, within a heartbeat. And to be honest, I was literally, I was stretching in the gym at Chelsea and Frank Arneson walked past me and it was like, Michael, I'm, I'm going to Hamburg. Would you like to come with me? Wow. I was like, I was like, yes. Wow. I was like, yeah, of course. I'm there a hundred percent, million percent. Wow. And the, a couple of weeks later, he called me again and yeah, got the, got, like got the deal done. So, um, yeah, it was something that I was I was definitely excited for and and wanted to do in in the first place. So it wasn't I wasn't one of them people that because you know a lot of English players they're they're scared to leave mm-hmm. really their home comforts and all that kind of stuff. But I, I wanted I wanted life experience as well. Yeah, in such a short career, I wanted to experience some other things. Listen, why are you sounding why are you sounding so wise? I'm supposed to be the wise one on this show. We can't have two of us being wise like this. <laughs> Don't take my clout away, please. I beg. <laughs> That's, that's, that's so interesting because I'm similar to you. And when I was younger, 
I used to, like I'd spend as much time watching foreign football as I would do watching English football. And I sort of liked it more because when you're not fully involved in the day-to-day 24-7 nature of what football is, I feel like you can enjoy it more. So I enjoy yeah. seeing how a team will play on the weekend because I've not seen all the drama that's existed from Monday through Friday. Whereas in yeah. England, you know, when it's the whole, oh, this has happened today, that's happened tomorrow, breaking news, breaking news. You know, you don't really have that. And I did have that desire to try and play abroad. And for me, it came later in my career. But I think if I was younger, maybe I would have thought if I had the same opportunity, maybe I would have done the same same sort of thing. But back to you. What would you say was the hardest thing to adjust to from when you went over to play in the Bundesliga? Um, like my first, I'm not even going to lie, bro. My, I found the first year really tough. Like, like for some, I don't know why, but for some reason, even though you're playing the same game, the football felt different. Yeah. It felt so different. Obviously, the language, everything was was hard. Like, I'd be in a meeting for about 45 minutes and they're waffling on. <laughs> bro, I haven't got a Scooby-Doo what the manager's saying. I'm thinking, what is going on right here? Like, what, what the hell is happening, bro? I'm like, trying not to fall asleep. And yeah, bro, I found it, I found it hard. Like I had, I even had German, like, mate, mate listen to this. So there's a guy called uh, Pierre Skelbred that, that uh, joined at the same time. He's from Norway. He joined literally same time as me, bro. So we've gone to our first lesson together. Our teacher was a nightmare. She was lovely, but all she wanted to, she was a Hamburg fan. So all she wanted to know was news of the club. Like, what's happening? Why isn't this player playing? Is this player going to play? Like, what's happening at the club? Like, we'll literally talk about it for half the lesson and then do half an hour of work. And I've learned nothing. But then for our first lesson, bro, and he's in there. He doesn't know any German either. Bro, I, I, I can't explain. I shit you not, bro. A week later, I come into the changing room. I'm hearing like people like laughing and someone telling jokes. It's the brother who had the same lesson with me the other day. He's telling jokes in German, bro. Like, <laughs> I'm thinking, I was like, yeah, how are you speaking German right now, bro? How do you know all these things? Like, I just picked it up, you know, I've just been watching German movies and, and stuff like that. I'm thinking, what? And you tell me, he's like speaking like almost fluently. And, mate, I found it hard. Like, the language barrier was, was hard at first because, you know, you're in another country and yeah. English people are sometimes ignorant, sometimes thinking everyone should speak English. Yeah, and yeah. There you go. But you're in their country. You should really be speaking their language. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, that, that, that was tough. And, obviously, that was the real first time I'd been away from family and friends where I can't just drive and go and see them. Yeah. You know, that that was tough adjusting to to that kind of uh life but to be honest my second and third year i, I loved it like that experience was like unbelievable for me I, I i really really enjoyed my time there yeah okay okay i i like that and you know that 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 thing you mentioned there about speaking a language you don't realize how big a deal that is until you are left in a position where you have no idea what's being said because you take for granted sometimes that you know when you're playing in england or you're playing in the usa or whatever Everything makes sense. Everything makes perfect sense. But you be that one person who doesn't know what's going on or even what, like to add to that, I don't know if you fully felt this at the start, but I remember when I, when I went to RSL, I had like this two, three day, like trial thing of sorts. And I had to, and I was training with the second team, the Monarchs, and I didn't know a single person on that team. And I was trying to communicate. I couldn't even say people's names. So I was like, ah, I, I, uh, Manon, um, uh, midfield guy you know it was always weird so then to add like another language element to that that must have been yeah that must have been real tough what would you say um what you what would you say your best moment was while you were over there um it's one of my best and one of my worst um perfect i remember i can't remember who the game was against the first game but torsman fink was our manager at the time and um I didn't play particularly well in one game. Just couldn't. I, I don't know what it was. I just couldn't grasp the pace. Of, not, not so much the pace of the game. But just didn't have the best of games. Yeah. And obviously, I was and I remember this to this day. Like, um, I'm quite a devout Christian as well. I remember just like, I was, I was like in tears mm. by myself in my apartment because obviously I didn't really play very well. Was devastated about it. Was thinking, oh, I'm going to get. I'm probably going to get dropped now next game. And I remember just praying while I was crying. 
um, in the kitchen thinking, please just let me have another chance. Give me another chance. I remember going in the next morning and speaking to the manager and the manager was just like, I was like, listen, I didn't, I know I didn't play very well, but give me like, give me another chance. I'll, I'll make sure I do, like, I do the business kind of thing. And he was almost like, I'm in an R in about it. But then started me the next game. The next game was against Dortmund and um, I was marking Lewandowski. Um, yeah, and I bullied him all game, <laughs> bullied him all game and, and we won and we won the game as well. And I was, oh, I was so over the moon. I was buzzing. It's just a great memory for me thinking going from such a low point to such a high point and yeah. the manager coming off, like coming up after, after the game and saying to me, I knew he was going to do the business. Like I knew it. Yeah. I could see it in your eyes. I saw the hunger and the fire in your, in your belly. And um, yeah, it's just buzzing off me really. Yeah. So that was like a big, uh, big moment for me. Yeah, that's incredible. That's incredible. And and don't don't worry, everybody. Yes, you did do a little name drop in there. Levin, Levin, who did you say? Levin, what? <laughs> but anyway, 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 anyway. So since you're having such a good time over there and everything's going great, especially in those last two years, why is it then that you decided to come back to England? And why did you move to Nottingham Forest? Oh, mate, it, I'm not even going to lie to you now. It was really political at the club as well. Um, I think Frank Carnison fell out with the board of directors or something. And uh, they've obviously got a new sporting director in. And he wanted to bring in all his old, his own players and didn't want to play. And they didn't want to play us, like the, the boys that um, Frank Carnison had brought in. They wanted to play their boys that, they, that they'd mm-hmm. brought in. So, yeah, that, that was actually really tough uh, for me. And the team really struggled. Um, at the time but in training I was like one of the best players in training every single day worked so hard just obviously was being professional doing my job and I remember the manager actually coming to, like one of the players one of the new players went to the manager and was like why don't you pl- like why don't you play this guy like why, why are you not playing him and the manager came to me and was just like listen I, I want to play you but I'm getting told that I can't play you pretty much mm. which was obviously shit for me but then they got into a position where it was literally in a relegation battle um and over there, they do it obviously a little bit differently where the third team from the bottom play the third team from the top in the league below mm-hmm. in a little playoff game. So who goes up and who goes down kind of thing. And um, I remember like the last five games, then that's when they started playing me. And I, at the time, it felt like they were playing me. So if they did did go down, they could blame they could you. Much like blame me. Yeah. Almost like blame like those kind of players. Like, oh, yeah, well, we went down because, you know, these players, like, they didn't do their job. But then, thank God, we we stayed up. And, uh, yeah, it was, yeah, obviously it was, it was massive. But, um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was tough times. But then, yeah, that's pretty much why I didn't play that, that year. But then um, Stuart Pearce spoke to my, um, obviously, you know, Stuart Pearce really well as well, mm. and spoke to my agent and, and was interested in bringing me to, to Forest. Um, and that time it was, you know, I looked at the club, the club and the team that they had, and it was, a, it was a great team. And obviously they had aspirations of obviously going into the Premier League. And I thought that we would have a really good chance. So I think you ended up playing over 130 games. I think it's the exact number might be 134. You played 134 games for them. That's more than double than you played for any other team to that point in your career. So, you know, legacy wise, it feels like that's where you will be aligned. Essentially, like you is it something you expected or do you think you would have left before that and played for your games? Um, what do you mean at Forest? Yeah, Forest, yeah. Because as I said, like the plan, you're talking about going to Nottingham Forest to try and achieve promotion, but I don't think you were close to promotion every single year. So how can nah. you end up staying for so long? Um, good question. At, no, to, to be honest, at the time, I, I, I did really, I really enjoyed it. And the first year that I went there, we won like the first nine games and we was like top of the league, mm. absolutely flying, buzzing. Uh, we had a great team, but then injuries happened to some important players, which killed us massively um, as a team. Um, and then we just like, we fell towards the middle, towards the bottom of the table. And obviously it's, it, it was a panic from there. Um, and to be honest, for me personally, I feel like they didn't really give Stuart Pierce probably a there's enough time, like, you know what it's like with managers. Mm-hmm. New manager comes in and, you know, if they're not doing so well, they get sacked and another guy comes in. But I feel like, obviously, you need to give managers enough time to be able to make an impact on the club. But, um, yeah, just things changed so much and it got to a point where 
there was I was there for so long because I, I I did enjoy it. I did enjoy it under like Dougie Freeman as well um, and Mark Warburton. But then, bro, it was like a revolving door for the managers. Right. Like, there was a, I, I'm pretty sure I had a new manager nearly every single season that I was there. Right. Um, and there was no there was no real stability at the club at the time, which made me not really enjoy like my last year there. Really, um, I found it quite hard to just you know having no stability at the club and not really know because you know when a new manager comes in you've got to obviously re-impress them and do mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff and it's long in it bro <laughs> <laughs> there it is yeah that's a fact that's a fact like that that whole feeling there somebody yeah. new coming through the door and you thinking well here we go i've got to now go into my bag and do this and do that and you know to be fair like if you're lucky they'll always buy into you anyway. But then there's certain times and certain people where you could do whatever you're doing and they're just not interested because they've been told from somebody else, like, yeah, we're not going to play him. Like you were talking about Hamburg and stuff. So that is, that is tough. But you know, you played a lot of games there. You were there for a long time then. So tell me what was, what was your best memory from your time there? Best memory from my time there. Good question, Ned. Probably beating Arsenal in the cup. Oh, there we go. That's not bad. Yeah, it? yeah. Probably beating Arsenal in the cup because I think that was that was on my birthday, and that was the night when I came home and my missus was like, "I'm going to cook you a nice roast dinner." <laughs> and I was like, she was "Like, what do you want for what, what do you want for for food?" I was like, "Ah, oh, love a roast, babe." So like, I'm going to cook you the best roast dinner, and um, that's the night we found out that obviously. We're gonna have a, a child, like uh, my son Noah, who's born now. Um, so that was a great memory. That was just a great day, all in all. Wow. And she ended up not making any of the roast because she found <laughs> out she was pregnant. And literally, all I had was Yorkshire puddings. So I'm pretty sure <laughs> that's all that was in the oven. She's like, "Babe, honestly, my head's all over the place." <laughs> it was just one of them ones. But um, oh. that, that, to be honest, that day was just a, a great memory. Yeah, that's. That's that's an incredible story, absolutely incredible. So you you mentioned there that I think the last year or so wasn't how you would have hoped it would have gone. So unfortunately, I think there's some clubs who you know rightly have a sense of pressure on them to get back to the top table. They kind of seek success, but they don't have the stability, so they don't have the foundation, and as a consequence, you know they're never consistently contending up there. So it's disappointing and, you know, you ended up leaving and you ended up leaving to go and play for the New England Revolution in the MLS. And I think for a third of the audience, that's pro- of this audience, I think that's probably where they might know you from. So firstly, I want to know, like, how did that move even come about? And secondly, why did you even choose to cross the Atlantic when you could have just stayed in England, I guess? Um, it was just a, a new challenge again, to be honest, Ned. Um, I think, well, it was Brad Friedel, um, spoke to my agent, and he and obviously sorted it out and and got the move kind of kind of done. But to be honest, I'm not even going to lie to you. I was actually going to go to Turkey before that. Okay. But it's it's just so dodgy over there, isn't it? And um, <laughs> so basically, mate, I went to I'll tell you the story. I went to go and have a, like a medical over there. It was me and some other guy from like PSV or I don't know, don't know what club he was at. I didn't. I never saw him. And they failed our medicals at the exact same time, like halfway through it. I'm thinking, what? I failed my medical. How have I failed my medical? I'm like fully fit. There's nothing wrong with me at all. Mm-hmm. And um, I've got the report of it. They said, they said, oh yeah, it's because of this. I was like, so I've called like the physios that I knew um, at Forest. I called like Andy Hunt and Steve, and they're like, they failed you on that. That's like, that's just a normal thing. Like that's. That's that's like nothing. That's like wear and tear from like playing years and years of football. Like you'd see that in the majority of footballers. Yeah, uh, mate. So from there, it was like that. I knew that was dodgy. So I was just like to my agent, "Let's just let's just go home. No, I can't be asked for this. Like, let's go home." And then a few days later, um, yeah, Brad called, um, spoke cool. to my agent, and um, yeah, it got sorted uh, sorted that way. Mm-hmm. And what were your first impressions of that new city? Then that new sort of country because let me let me be clear i think most of us have been to the united states before but when it's different when you go on holiday compared to when you go there and you stay there you know so how what were those first impressions like for you of the new city um yeah i i, I obviously really liked it um i went over there by myself because my missus literally was so close to giving birth so she didn't come out with me the first three months um while i was there but i loved it um i thought it was a great city 
um, it, yeah, beautiful city. Uh, people obviously refer to it as like a smaller version of New York, which it probably isn't really. But uh, <laughs> but no, no, I, I liked it. It was it was different. It was very different. Um, yeah. And yeah, the the stadium was like amazing. Like it was training, it was changing next door to like the Patriots, and it was yeah, everything seemed great. Yeah, to be honest. You know, you, the word you said there is the exact one I'd use to describe it to anybody who seeks to go over there. I say, because everybody wants to go to the MLS, and I say, well, you'll enjoy it, but it's different. And that different is what some people freak out about when they finally get over there. Because I was going to ask you about what you, th- what you think about the league. And, you know, I say to people, listen, it it's different. It's different. Stuff that you're used to elsewhere as a player, it's different. It has its ops. different Bro, it's, it's so different. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I, I did enjoy my time there. At times, I found it difficult. Um, it's just I don't know how to explain it. Not that I'm trying. Not, I'm trying to use the right words in my head here. Um, like traveling, bro. Yeah. Like coming to play with you guys. Yeah. We travel six hours on a plane, bro. <laughs> six hours on a plane. It's a different climate, different time zone. You're bloody thousands of feet above sea level. You do one sprint, <laughs> your lungs are burning. You think how you feel like you're so unfit. It's just it's madness, bro. And like you're traveling that far, you're in the same country, and you've got to play a game. Yeah, like a day late. You feel jet lagged. It's hard, bro. It, I, I found it. It was, it was actually hard. That was like the hardest part, the traveling. To be honest, for me as well, like you're not really playing for anything. Are yeah, you? yeah, really. Like that, that was a big thing for me as well. So it almost felt like, you know, you'd lose, people would care, but it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Almost. Like, I remember like we got knocked out in the, the playoffs to like Atlanta and I'm thinking the manager's going to come in. He's going to be fuming. It was like, all right, boys. Well, you know, we gave it everything we, we could. Um, see you next year. Almost. I was thinking, what? Mm. Like in England, like, you know, you've got teams at the bottom fighting to stay in the league. You've got teams at the top fighting to go up mm-hmm. and it means like it means everything yeah. to to the players because you know if you're at the bottom of the league people like you don't want to get relegated because you know people could lose their jobs at the club you know because they can't afford to keep everyone on yeah and it, it just means more um but it, i'm not i'm not saying it wasn't a, a good experience and i didn't enjoy it because i did it i did enjoy it it was a good experience but it was tough like people from like from england especially yeah. don't realize how tough it is. You just think, oh, I'm going to live in America. It's going to be great. I'm going to be playing like football and stuff. And it's, it's just, it, like you said, it's just different. Yeah. Bro. It's, it's very, very different. And to, to piggyback on a couple of things you said there, I think when you talk about the, um, the sort of consequence after games type situation, it's one of those where I think at times in a league, it, it can feel like you're playing for something, but other times it can feel like it's a hobby league, especially given the fact that, there are other sports over there which are so big and so entrenched in the culture of the United States. You know, you, if we, exactly. you could lose 10 games in a row in the MLS and you might never see it on national TV. In England, you lose three and it's news everywhere. You know, this yeah. this is the decline. This is the pressure. This manager has to go and so on and so forth. And it's, it is very, very different. But then again, to mention something else. So the travel situation, which you hated, you see for me personally, because I, like I'm, I was definitely seeking different. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the fact that like, all of a sudden, I'm I'm on the uh, I'm on the East Coast. I'm like, why am I jet lagged? Like, I'm I'm playing. I've got a game in a couple of days. Why am I jet lagged? But then I'm also traveling to some cities, which I know I wouldn't have gone on holiday to at any point in my life. Yeah, I enjoyed that as well. To but honest. to be able to see it, because when you play in England, like you turn up for a, in a city for a game, it's business. You know what I mean? You don't have any time to do anything. You turn up, you're in your hotel, eat your food, go to your bed, wake up, play the game, go home. But there, it's just a, it's a bit different and. Because you you know because we get there maybe a couple of days early and stuff like that and they encourage you yeah here's some money to go and get some food or whatever go and eat as a group and that there meant that I saw a lot of places which I never would have seen beforehand but it is different I understand why it's a test for people and like to be fair the Utah thing in terms of altitude that was our strength come summertime it's like minimum thirty to forty degrees Celsius we're at five thousand feet you come and play in the stadium oh there's gonna be a point. Honestly, it was horrible. <laughs> one sprint and you're just like... Yeah, it gets you. you. You think you're what, fine. What, 
you think oh. it, that's the thing you think you're fine you think you're fine but it, i guarantee you'll get you because i remember when i first touched down on you know time for the club and someone says you know we'll just try and feed you in slowly because you know at some point you know the attitude will get you blah 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 i was like yeah yeah sure 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 whatever then like day one day two i'm like i've just done something and i'm just not speaking to anyone because i'm inside i'm dying but i'm trying to tough <laughs> it <laughs> i'm trying to tough it out like no no don't don't show weakness don't show weakness but literally i felt like death but anyway 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 one particular thing about you then in your time in MLS, which I think is worth discussing because it's a perception thing. So when you came over, you were the highest earning defender in the MLS. And I think in your first season, I think that was. And in your second year, in total, I think you may be the highest earner in the club's history. Did you feel like contracts in the UK aren't that big a deal in terms of discussion because most people are earning very, very well. But given yeah. the sort of disparity between the top and the bottom in the MLS, did you feel an, an extra sense of pressure while you were there because of that or were you able to just carry on about your business and not really think about it bro uh, to be honest i didn't really think about it because in my mind it was just almost like a normal contract that yeah you'd get in a championship yeah it didn't i wouldn't think oh i'm making so much money here like i didn't i didn't really think about it but I'll tell you now the yeah the pressure was on like only because when we conceded when we conceded a goal brad friedel would be like why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? I'm like, I can't, I can't do everyone's job. Like, I can't, I'm, I'm one guy. We, we, we don't know how to defend first and foremost as a team, mm -hmm. but he was expecting me to come in and stop every single goal and yeah. almost using it like that. Yeah. Well, I've come and I've put you on this much money. I'm like, what do you mean this much money? Like, this, this is like you, you've played in England, you know, that's like a normal, that's like a normal, almost a normal contract. Yeah. Like that, that someone in the champ is, is, uh, would be making, mm -hmm. but, um, yeah, to be honest, I didn't, I didn't really think about it like that. Obviously, you know they they throw like you know they throw so much money at attacking players and yeah. all that stuff, and then obviously to give a defender that that kind of money is probably well is unheard of um, yeah. in America. But um, no, nah, to be honest, I didn't think about it one bit. All right, okay then. So let me have some fun with you here now. Yeah. So I'm going to give you a number, and this number is four thousand six hundred and seventy-six. Yeah. Okay, and I'm going to refer back to it in a second. Four thousand. 676 okay so our, one memory that i have of you was um when you were playing i think it was in seattle and you scored i think from a corner there was like a var check all that stuff blah 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 but i saw you score i said yes man yes that's my guy yes scored against the team in the west as well yes let's go but here's the wild bit though i did not know that was the first goal in your career and that 4,676 is the exact amount of days it took from you from the beginning of your career to you scoring a goal. 4,676. What is wrong with you, man? Bro, I'll tell you what, yeah? I'll tell you what. All right. So a lot of managers normally keep me at the back, first so, and foremost. So? So I didn't even go up many corners. So? I did go up a corner. Bro, listen, I've had goals. I've had shots cleared off the line, last ditch. I've had, listen, at, when I was at Forest, um, I went up for a corner and I've headed the ball and the ball was literally about to cross the line. <laughs> My boy, Matty Fryer, he's a good friend of mine, and just toe poked it in as it was about to cross the line. I was like, I couldn't even celebrate, bro. I was devastated. I was like, mate, how are you going to do like that, bro? How are you going to do like that? It's, it's literally going in. 4,000. Hey, I've had balls cleared up the line. I thought I was never going to score. I was actually telling my managers, don't even put me up there, just keep me back. <laughs> you, you've got some goal to go up for a set piece when it's been 4,000 days since you since you scored. And in fact, it's not even since you scored a goal. Like, it's just been 4,000 days and you hadn't scored a goal. That's, what is wrong with you, man? What is that? I don't know, bro. Honestly, I don't know. Well, do you know, know? So for these shows, I always do my research. I like to go in, check lots of sources to make sure I know the exact amount of games, goals, everything, in which hospital ward you were in when you were born, all that jazz. I know everything, yeah. And I kept looking at it. I saw the first thing. It said, okay, it says you scored one goal. That must be wrong. So I went to another page. I said, nah, 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 nah. That's no way that's the case. <laughs> went to another one. I'm like, nah, this is, a, this is a common theme. And I went on transfermarket.com. And it and clicks on the thing. It says show goal career goals, and there it is, just just one line. It says this goal here versus this. <laughs> I was like, yo, this guy. 
Bro, I'm actually buzzing I scored one goal. I thought I wasn't going to score any, to be honest. <laughs> to be fair, it's sad that that's the relief you're getting. As a guy who goes up for set pieces and plays on a football pitch, he's celebrated <laughs> one goal. That's that's yeah, sad, man. Honest, that's, I, don't, I don't care about my name in, in headlights, bro. I'm I'm paid to defend. Oh, oh, put the cliches in the bin. This is not the show for that. <laughs> and listen, if a defender scores, you don't get the headline. You just get the goal. That's a fact. Just get the goals. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, like I'll be honest, I'm a, I'm a couple of years younger, older than you, and I'm I'm embarrassed because I only scored I think maybe 16 in my career, and it should have been like 20, 25. I'm embarrassed, but when I saw your one, I felt like a king. I felt like Sergio Ramos out here. <laughs> but anyway, anyway, that's enough grilling of you for now. But if anyone's curious, it was August 10th, 2019, 2019 when he scored his goal, and it was 21st of October 2006 when he made his debut. But you know that's neither here nor there. Let's let's move on. So anyway. <clears throat> So you stayed for gone. Tell me like that on your show, bro. Hey, listen, uh, all, I do, all I do here is I, I bring facts for my guests to try and explain, and uh, yeah, you're not going to be able to explain that one. So, <laughs> okay, so you end up coming back to England. Yeah, were you very keen to leave the USA, or were you just keen to maybe leave New England? Like, why did you end up leaving when you did? No, I was to be honest, I was pretty keen to leave the USA, um, especially for my wife who found it quite difficult as well, especially, you know, during the pandemic yeah. and stuff. She's got a little kid stuck in an apartment. Obviously, I'm going to training. I'm traveling for games. She's at home. She's stuck in an apartment with a kid. Can't really do anything. Can't call her family. There's time difference certain times. You know, she couldn't really do anything. And, you know, it was hard. It was lonely for her as well. And I felt for her. Um, and to be honest, yeah, we did want to try for a, for another kid, and obviously, we wanted our families to be close mm -hmm. um, as well. So that was a that was a massive factor. So we did actually, we did really want to actually come back to England. Okay. And um, how how come you ended up at Burton? How did that come about? Um, well, literally, I well, it was actually hard, to, quite hard to to find a club. You know, not many teams wanted to really do business, uh, especially with all Corona, and especially like not really wanting. To let people come in and train because i did want to go in and train at a couple of clubs yeah. i spoke i actually spoke funny enough I spoke to mark warburn he was like yeah listen i'd love you for you to come in and train um keep fit um but obviously we're in a bubble which i understood i ended up going to train at lincoln for about about two weeks um before heading back to london and then my agent calling me saying where are you i said oh, i'm in london he was like why i was like no <laughs> Home. come home to see my family he's like well you need to get back up to, uh to nottingham i was like why he's like oh jimmy want like jimmy wants you i was like all right yeah fair enough uh, i was buzzing for it to be honest obviously i knew they were bottom of the table i just in my mind i, I just thought well i just want to go play get my name back out here you know in england again and just play and enjoy football again and just do what i love um so that was yeah that was a big factor of you going to burn. Well, so since you've arrived then and since Jimmy Floyd Hasbank's been there, you've been one of the form sides in the league and you've gone from bottom to not being part of the relegation conversation heading into the last couple of weeks of the season. So credit to you guys for that. And it seems like, you know, for where you've been in the past, that's a big jump to get there. But like you say, you love the game. And do you not find as well, um, as an older player now, we've gotten to a point where experience doesn't count anything the same as it once did and it's more about a sense of potential now isn't it you know like yeah and it's so interesting that it's like that because like when when did it change when when did it change bro i don't know but i remember i remember when i was young coming through and teams were like yeah they want an older center half you know they want a mm. more experienced center half and now it's the total opposite yeah yeah we want a center half you know we want to build for the future and it's just i don't know mate I don't know when it changed but yeah, it's changed. The game's changed. But yeah, yeah it's crazy. Yeah. But yeah, that's makes it difficult as well. You know, people look at your age and think, oh, well, he's 33 now. Um, can he still run it? Can he still get about the pitch? But honestly, mate, I'm getting about the pitch better than I ever probably did. Yeah. I still, still feel fine, still feel normal, still feel fit, ready to go. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing as well. I think when you get older, you learn about the important bits about getting around the pitch, not just running around like a headless chicken. You know, if you're yeah, in the, exactly. if you're in the right, if yeah, if you're in the right place, you don't need. You know, your age doesn't really count for anything. If you understand the game, understand like can get a rhythm of things and so on. It doesn't. It ultimately doesn't matter. But you know, this is the game itself. We can't fight it because we can't change the narrative. It's been changed somewhere by some people, and as a consequence, this is where we are. But good luck to the younger generation, and hopefully, you know, 
things change to level out a little bit at some point in the future. But for me personally, man, so I'm on the other side of the fence now. So I'm just making and breaking people. So yeah, all these youngsters are incredible. Do not hire Michael Mancia. But anyway, <clears throat> so looking back um, at your career to date then, is there has there been any part of it where you wish you could you could have changed something? Like looking back, would you have left Chelsea earlier, stayed for longer or, you know, what, what do you reckon? Um, I don't know. It's a good question. To be honest, nah, there's there's nothing that I'd, I'd probably change to be honest, because it's got me to this point where I am today. Mm-hmm. Um, it turned me into the person I am today as well. Um, I've had a lot of humbling situations and a lot of obviously joyous situations, and like I said, you know, I found out a lot about myself, especially being at Hamburg in them tough situations. I learned a lot about my, myself, and I know that's almost a cliche, like, but bro, being in hard times when you haven't got people around you, you learn you learn who you are. Yeah. Pretty yeah, for sure. How strong I was as a person, you know, to get through situations and how tough I was mentally. And um, yeah, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change anything, mate, because it's got me to the point where I am today. And what would you say your proudest achievement's been so far? Uh, still being able to run around <laughs> at 33. Nah. Uh, no, that's, that's fair. That's fair. Because I, like I was the same, like I... I when I retired, I retired and I could still run fast, still jump high, still have an impact in the game. And crazy as it was, like by the end, I was using both my feet. I was literally playing left and right foot. I thought, how have I found this at 30, 34? <laughs> Maybe I should have found this 10 years previous and I might have had a bit more going for me. But yeah, like I, to be, I played, I had a 16 year career. There are people who might not get one for six months, you know, and that, that stuff matters, man. It matters an awful lot. Yeah, no, to- yeah, I totally agree with you there, man. Yeah, to be able to obviously play for this long, you know, obviously I'll come through with, like you, we come through with our friends and people that haven't made it that wish they were doing what we were doing for as long as we're doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, I'm, I, I feel blessed. Um, I know everything's given to me from God as well, man. That I wouldn't be in this position today if it wasn't for him. And yeah, I'm happy. I feel blessed, bro. Okay. So I've got two more questions for you. And the first one is this. So as we get older, we realize that, you know, we don't have necessarily, we're not part of the long-term future of football. You know, we're looking at people like I was when I was leaving last year and I was looking at guys who were born the same year I met my wife. You know, I was looking at guys who were like one or two when I started my career. So, you know, as I say, it's not a long-term future for you anymore. So what would you say your long-term plans are for the moment, say after you, you, you finish playing the game? That's a very good question, Ned. God, only God knows, bro. Nah, I, I do want to be involved in football um, in some sort of way. I'm not too sure yet. At first, especially after watching like, you know, like the documentaries, like the, the Tottenham documentaries, makes yeah. you want to be a manager. You're like, yeah, do you know what? I could be a manager. Yeah. And that's, that's stress, bro. Yeah, that's, next level, that's, yeah. And I don't, I don't know. I want to, obviously football has been my whole life, like it has been yours. Mm-hmm. So I do, and I feel like I have an, a lot of knowledge to give. Yeah. especially to young boys, you know, the young boys that, you know, are at big clubs coming through. I've been through, I've had the, ex- the exact same experience as them, you know, you know, coming through at a big club, going out on loan and doing all that kind of stuff. I feel like I have a lot of knowledge to give. I don't know what I want to do, but I do want to do something in football. Yeah. Okay. Well, the only advice I can give is to, you could be playing for the next five years, but just make sure you prepare for when that fifth year is finished. You know, because you don't want to, there are so many people who, when the game stops, they lose their identity. But if you're prepared, then you can maintain it and be ready for that next stage. So that's what I'd say. So the final question anyway, I need to know now, this is a question I ask all the guests. I need to know a five-a-side team of the best players that you've played with. And we're talking for five-a-side here, not just, not like someone who's incredible in 11s, like five-a-side, one goalkeeper, one goalkeeper, four outfielders, like the best five-a-side, the type of team where, say for me, when I pick my team, these are players where, like, if the bibs were being handed out and this was the five, I'd be like, well, it's a wrap. There's nothing we can do here. This is, this is it. So who's in your five? That's a good question. Goalkeeper? Yes. Check. Yep, he's in. It's going to be Chelsea. It's going to be pretty much Chelsea Listen, team. That's, that's fine. Yeah. That's fine. Because you've seen one or two nice players at Chelsea, I imagine. Centre-back. Got to be John Terry. Listen, it doesn't have to be, but sure, yeah, we'll, we'll put him in. 
Wait, what formation am I playing right now? Whatever you want. You're the you're the manager, not me. You see, you can't even handle picking a five aside team. Talk about stress. Imagine picking an eleven every week. Uh, I I put Sunny in there. Home and Sun. Ah, yeah, Sunny. You heard yourself. I'll put Sun in there. That's if it's five O's. Mm. I put Lampard in there. Yeah, that's cash. Last person. Yes. You going for a traditional nine or are you gonna go for like just another incredible midfielder? I'd put Yeah, I'm going for another I'll go Drogba. Oh Drogzilla. Yeah. That's even Yeah, that's <laughs> That's that's one of those guys who, who would just strike fear in just basically every centre back. Like I've seen, I've seen some big men get eaten alive by him. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool, 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 cool. Well, thank you very, very, very much for being on the show. I'm sorry it's taken so long to get you on, but good things come to those who wait, and I hope the listeners have enjoyed this. So thank you again, and good luck for the end of the season with Burton. And who knows where you're going to be next year? Maybe Burton again, or are you going to do a reveal for us? Well, the gaffer has spoke to me and wants to extend my contract. Nah, so say less. I'm about that. Say less. Jimmy, Jimmy for House of Bank, that's, that's, that's someone I like a lot. So, you know, you're going to do a well under him. But yeah, thank you very much, bro. Thanks, Ned, bro. Yeah, Thanks bro. for having me, man. Thanks. Take Appreciate it easy. It. Take it easy, man. Tough man, brother. So there you have it, my people. Thanks again for tuning in. And also, a big thank you to producer Ryan Hale. Be sure to follow us on social media if you haven't done so already. And why not subscribe to the show so you don't miss out on any future releases. Thanks again for listening and goodbye for now.